Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Philanthropic Community brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor. We bring this show to you in an effort to showcase all the wonderful nonprofits in the community. Also, it's so important to educate you on the resources that are available and how to use your passion to get involved and give back. Today is a really very special show for us. Um, I have two guests, Christina Schneckel, who is a um, actually works um, directly with me at the Ellen Becker Investment Group, and she's a, a wealth advisor and works with our clients and I know that when Christina joined us uh, many years ago, one of the things that always stood out to me was her involvement and her desire to really make a difference. And uh, as I got to know Christina over the years, many years now in talking to her, um, one of the things that she has been really involved in is the West African Mercy Ministries. And many of you know that I was just in Africa a year ago. And when I came back, it really did take me almost a year to sort of um, rebound from that experience, the experience of um, not only the need and some of the things that were, were going on there, but the absolute love of the children and the love of the people was just amazing. And one of the stories that I tell about going over to Africa, and of course, we didn't speak the same language. And I didn't know how to communicate with the children, to communicate with many of the people. And so I would go up and I would squeeze their hand three times. And then they'd look at me and I'd squeeze it three more times and say, I love you. And all of a sudden they were squeezing my hand back again. And they were telling the other kids. And the other kids would come around and we're all squeezing. And then parents are squeezing. There is such a, 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 a want and a desire to, like all children, to be loved and, and accepted. But I think even more so there because of the power and things that are going on. And so Christina, over time, shared so many of the things that she's experienced with the West African Mercy Ministries. And so I'm just going to introduce Christina. Welcome to the show. And talk a little bit about your experience and how you got involved and why. When I walked in, you said, this is really important to me because um, Brian is like family. And, And so tell us about that. Yes, well, Brian and his wife, Debbie, and their kids really are like family to us, and that's because um, our families are really joined. Um, Our son we adopted from West African Mercy Ministries back in 2011. Um, He's now been home with us for um, almost eight years and is just a very important part of our family. Um, So I originally heard of West African Mercy Ministries really back when um, the organization was kind of really getting started, and... I was part of a church at the time that wanted to partner with Brian and his wife, Debbie, and come alongside them as they formed this orphanage and this children's home and this ministry whose goal was to show Christ's mercy to the least of these in society, um, in particular focusing on children that really have nothing. Um, I got asked to join a group of um, other women that were going over to Ghana to see how we might be able to best partner with Brian and his wife, Debbie. And as soon as we arrived there, you could see just from the very get-go that this organization was really unique and it was very different in how it was approaching this orphan crisis. And sure enough, on my first day there, um, met a little boy um, who just really had a place in all of our hearts. 
but there was just that one moment in your life where you feel so clearly that you know what God's direction is, that what you're supposed to do. So after the two weeks in Ghana, I came home and told my husband, who was not with me on the trip, you know, I know we talked about having children, you know, but how would you feel about a toddler instead? (laughs) And he was crazy enough to say yes, and we started the process to adopt our son um, through Brian and Debbie McIntyre. And it took about a year to get him home. We had several trips to Ghana during that process, in which time that we'd stay with Brian and Debbie in their home, help with the children's home in any way that we could. Um, Had a really great experience with Debbie getting to see what they actually have to go through to process these adoptions and driving around, meeting with officials. It was really eye-opening to the whole process. Oftentimes we go in with our Western view, thinking that everything should process the way that we do it and the way that we look at things. And that really is not the case in Ghana. And that became very apparent when we had issues with the embassy and paperwork and things that we viewed as shouldn't be an issue. But it it was a struggle getting him home and getting him his U.S. citizenship. But now fast forward to, you know, eight years later, he is a thriving 10-year-old. Although feisty and tricky <laughs> and and very tricky, um, but just a that one- happened after we had him. <laughs> we blame them for that. Um, but he's just he's just a wonderful part of our family, and we've stayed very involved. Um, I'm the treasurer for West African Mercy Ministries. My husband also sits on the board. It's really a small group of individuals that are based here in the Waukesha area that have this passion for these children. In fact, um, Brian's son and daughter-in-law also adopted through Ghana. We're close friends with them, and we get the kids together a lot. So the board is really this tight unit as well. And it's been really great to watch and have a firsthand experience to see how this ministry has changed lives in these last couple years and as it morphs into more really than just orphan care. So what is your hope for... Um, this ministry and your involvement in it, and now that you've actually experienced so much of it, what what is your hope and desire and and, and um, I guess still your passion? My passion really is is for these children and this children's home, and you know my hope is that every single one of these kids would feel the love of a forever family, but also feel the love of Christ. And that's trying to be shown to them through this ministry and looking at, you know, how do we build up this next generation of kids? From our own experience, I think even if our son had come to us or had come to the McIntyres on day one, there's abuse there. There's abandonment issues. These children are going to have issues that they deal with their entire life, and they need a loving community surrounding them, really. And I know that you've told me stories, and it it can be a challenge. (laughs) And you have two other children. And so um, Kojo has blended really nicely into your family and into the community, which I think is when when you think about ministries and you think about what's really important and what we all want, we just want to feel wanted and accepted and loved. Yes, that's so important. And it has taken us almost this whole eight years, I think, for our son to really trust that he's not going anywhere and that he is part of the family. The time frame that we think it should take these abused children to feel safe is completely different than the time frame that they're on. Mm -hmm. And um, you really didn't even know when Kojo was really born. 
I mean, you really had to sort of um, reconstruct his whole life in many ways. Correct. Yeah, we had to make up a birthday for him to get him home. So we picked a date of birth. Um, I think we picked an August date. We picked the date I met him, and he came to home. Um, we picked his, his date based on that. And when we got him home to the U.S., um, we actually saw a child's um, a child pediatrician that specialized in bone issues. Um, Kojo had had his femur broken when he was when he was a baby, and they were concerned about the growth plates. And this doctor actually informed me that an X-ray of the hand. Um, up to a certain age, can determine date of birth in children within a couple months of being accurate. They said malnutrition can throw it off a little bit more, but they did the x-ray and they told us that um, they thought he was at least six months younger than what we put him at. He was just tall and very intelligent. So um, we actually changed his birthday. We picked a February date of birth for him because there were a lot of significant birthdays in February in the McIntyre family (laughs) as well as in our own. So February just seemed like the best month for him. Well, Christine, it's such a pleasure working alongside of you because um, my passion is also giving back, and I know you have that. And it just, there's a real connection, a real spiritual connection of knowing that we're always trying to do the best that we can do. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, um, Brian McIntyre is going to share some stories with us. And um, he is the founder of West African Mercy Ministries, and with that, we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community. It's brought by the Ellen Becker Investment Group, and I'm Karen Ellen Becker, and I am just delighted to be able to interview um, my my associate with um, Ellen Becker Investment, Christine um, Schneckel, and uh, also Brian McIntyre, who is the founder of West African Mercy Ministries. And so, Brian, tell us a little bit about how you began how did you how did you even figure it out or were you there or you know I said to you earlier what was that tipping point where you just knew I had to do something just like Christina's tipping point where she said I know that this is my calling well I had been serving as a pastor here in the Waukesha area uh, for a number of years I was a youth pastor and then for 10 years I was a church planting and slash senior pastor of a church out in North Prairie, Kettle Marine Community Church. Um, While we were there, my wife and I got involved in doing foster care through Milwaukee County, through uh, some of the other counties, um, Racine and Kenosha County as well. And so we've, we've had a heart for children and children's ministry for a long time, but I was pastoring. um, But there just came a point where um, my wife especially uh, said, you know, we need to go. We need to go to Africa. I had taken a mission trip with our church um, to visit some missionaries that we supported in Africa. And something happened. About two weeks before that trip happened, I remember sitting down with my wife and saying, I don't want to go. I really don't want to do this. Um, and yet I had committed, so we had to go. Uh, and this was a, a trip that we took to the Ivory Coast, which is right next door to Ghana, which is where we ended up. Um, I wasn't in country two days, and God did something to my heart that said, you're going to be back here. 
I want you back here. So I came home and shared that with my wife and said, you know, um, I think God wants us to go to Africa. And her initial response was, well, we'll miss you and hope that you can come back and visit often. She had, she had not gone with me on that trip. But over the course of the next couple of years, God just started working on her heart um, based out of that that foster care that we had been involved in. And uh, people started sending her articles unsolicited about the orphan crisis in sub-Saharan Africa. And after a few months of that, she just came back and said, okay, it's time to go. Which was kind of unique because I knew that God wanted me, for whatever reason, to be in Africa, but I had no idea what I would be doing there. And he used my wife to lay out the what. So I was I was involved in the where, she was involved in the what, and when those two things came together, it just really um, became clear that this is what God had intended for us in the next phase of our ministry. It was hard to leave our church. We had started that church. It was a wonderful church family, and yet we just knew that God had something uh, additional for us to be involved in. So when you talked about, let's go there, this wasn't a vacation. This wasn't a, a, a long extended trip. This was going there. Yes. I resigned <laughs> from the pastorate that I was involved in and we moved our family to Ghana in, uh, now this all began about 2005. We had some organizational stuff to do here. We had to develop a, a nonprofit corporation and, uh, do some initial fundraising. But in 2007, we actually moved to Ghana. And uh, we spent um, five to six years there. Um, during the course of that time, um, we had come back for a furlough or a home assignment, I guess is what we're supposed to call it these days. Um, and we were preparing to move back to Ghana in 2013. And my wife was diagnosed with cancer. And it was a very aggressive cancer. Um, and so she had to we had to back off from moving back so since that time we've been going back and forth Um, we're thankful to the lord that uh, this past december she was given her five years all clear Uh, we now though have a daughter our youngest daughter is a junior in high school and so it didn't seem very wise to us to move her back and then move her back again uh, a year later so we're going to continue to go back and forth for these next uh well, for this next year and a half, and then we'll see what happens after that. Um, but when we got to Ghana, we um, we began a children's home uh, that that is registered actually as a hospice um, because there are so many special needs children in Ghana that um, that otherwise are not going to be cared for, um, and it just really burdened our hearts. And so we opened this children's home, uh, again, registering it as, as a hospice. But hospice takes on a different um, a, a, a different flavor in Ghana. Um, here, hospice means a child or, or an individual coming into hospice care has been diagnosed as terminally ill, and there's a kind of an end date. End date. In Ghana, it's a little different because these children with special needs are going to die if somebody doesn't care for them. They're just going to be allowed to die. And I don't want to paint a a bleak picture of the Ghanaian people. They're very loving, warm, affectionate people. Um, We enjoy our our friendships that we've developed there. But we're not faced here in the U.S. with the same decisions they're faced with. If they have a special needs child, literally 
most often it comes down to do we take care of this child? Do we feed the rest of our family? We're not faced with that. We have resources here in the U.S. that they would drool over. Um, and so a hospice has had to take a much broader um, uh, description in our involvement in Ghana. But anyway, we are registered as a, um, as a hospice. We do have some children in our care right now that are terminally ill. We have other children that we just know they would die were they not in our care. Um, so that's kind of how the Lord uh, brought all this about for us. Um, uh, you know, we were serving in a church here. We were happy here. Uh, and yet there was just more we knew that, that he wanted us to be involved in. Well, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, let's let's talk a little bit more about um, what that looks like to mm-hmm. be serving those children there and to go over there, what it looks like um, for you to create more and to mm-hmm. do more, and some more stories around some of these children. Okay. And with that, we'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm Karen Ellen Becker, founder and senior wealth advisor. If you would like to listen to this show again, you can go to ellenbecker.com, and there are many shows on there. But if you'd like to also share the show, it's it's very easy to do. And um, I, I have two guests today: Christina Schnuckel, who is um, who the two of us work together hand in hand with our clients. I've gotten to know Christina. Very well over time, and as we have shared stories and the things that we both are very interested in and love to do, certainly giving back to the community um, has been a big, important part of both of our lives. Uh, Christina, about eight years ago, adopted um, Kojo from Ghana and uh, has continued to serve and be a part of the West African Mercy Ministries. The um, little segment before, we talked to Brian McIntyre, who talked about how it happened. And what I have found is with almost all of the um, stories that we've heard through different charities, is there's always some key thing that happens that gets somebody really involved in it. it something that touches their heart. And even in some of the more long-standing charities they go back to it started here mm-hmm. <laughs> because of this and that i think is what really is the important is the important piece and it's the piece that really touches people's hearts and so do stories and the stories of of these children and i know that when i was in africa we i came back and i said christina i said if twins are born they put them out in the bush they they don't keep them that can't be true and if a child is born with the lower tooth before the upper tooth you know they go out in the bush and if um, a child is born out of wedlock they go in the bush and if they're born with any handicap they go in the bush and it was basically for some of some of that was because they couldn't afford a child who to take care of them to feed them if they were handicapped in any way but the other ones were all um folklore mm-hmm. and beliefs that they had and you you almost can't imagine that 
something could be like that, but but it is. And so I started talking to Christine about the orphanages that I visited and such a great need. And I'm so happy that you've both had the time to sit down and share that with with our community, our philanthropic community, because I haven't really still figured out a way to totally be involved. I was just came back and I, I was just kind of set back a little bit that I felt like I'd been dropped into a National Geographic magazine, you exactly. know, and that and that was a time when I was a young kid, I went and hid in the corner <laughs> and paged through it. But yet, that's kind of, it almost seemed to me like not much had changed, not much had changed. We're here, so much had changed. So my guest today is um, Christina Schneckel, who works with me at Ellen Becker Investment Group and works on a one-to-one basis with all of my clients, and then Brian McIntyre. And Brian, can you tell us, and Christina, please jump into with with what's really happening. You you talk about the need and, and the stories, and give us a little bit more insight into the impact that you are making. Well, Christina's son, Kojo, is a great example. Um, he incidentally was a, um, he accidentally came into our care, shall was, we say. He was a throw-in. <laughs> yes, he was. My <laughs> wife had gone to the hospital the day that Christina and the team she came with uh, came to Ghana. My wife was not there to greet them, um, but she brought, I think she brought them back with a police escort, as mm-hmm. I recall. <laughs> um, she had gone to pick up a little girl who uh, had been diagnosed with HIV and TB. Um, And so she was at the hospital, and she met this little girl, and they got all the paperwork and stuff ready for her to take her. And they said, by the way, why don't you take him too? In the very (laughs) next crib, there was Kojo. Um, He had just gotten out of his cast, um, which incidentally, she, she mentioned that he had a broken femur. So, of course, they casted the tibia um (laughs) it's just a separate issue so i'm expecting my wife to be returning with a child and she came back with two one of which was kojo kojo had been found by the police in a partially built building where he had been abandoned um with a broken leg he had whip marks he had Um, burn marks or other scars all over his body, and they had simply left him to die because he had been improperly diagnosed with with HIV. He does not have HIV. Um, We found that out once we got him back into care. But because of that, that stigma that you were talking about Mm -hmm. that is so prevalent, um, somebody did something that must have offended the spirits, and this little boy had to be abandoned taken out of the village, wherever that village was that he was cared for. Well, somebody heard him crying and uh, brought him to the police hospital. And then they took care of him for a little while, and then they called us and, and asked us to care for him. The little girl that was next to him, the one that my wife initially uh, went for, she had been thrown into a bush along a highway um, because she had been diagnosed with HIV and with TB. Um so those kinds of stories are not uncommon. Um, just recently, um, we had to we couldn't take this little child because we are, we don't have room in our current facility. Um, the the Department of Social Welfare will only let us care for so many people, you know, children per square foot. 
And so we had to turn this little boy away. His name was Kwaku, and he had been found. Um, a doctor had called me and asked if we would care for this little one. Um, he was in the hospital, in a Catholic hospital, and had been cared for for a couple of years, but it was time for the hospital to find somewhere permanent. I'm on hospital. isn't supposed to be doing this kind of care, but he had been buried alive, and they found him, uh, unearthed him, and, of course, the oxygen deprivation and things have caused all kinds of different problems. So these kinds of stories are not uncommon. Uh, again, I, I don't want to paint a, a totally bleak picture here because people in Ghana are faced with decisions we don't have to make. Um, having said that, it's still very, very difficult to see these kinds of uh, cases coming to light. Um, so th that, those are just a couple of, of stories of initial children that have come into our care. I don't know, Christina's got a lot more information on Kojo than I do. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you um, mentioned that you can only have so many children per square foot, and are you looking at enlarging or what? What you know, I asked Christina, what is your your hopes? You know, what are what what are the things that you hope that this conversation with our philanthropic community here in Milwaukee, what would you like to see? Well, we are currently taking care of ten children in a rented facility that we have. It's a four bedroom house. Um but because of the square foot um allowances, uh that's all we can take care of right now. Uh, in this hospice kind of an environment. Uh, just recently, we have bought a, a piece of property, an acre and a half, and we have developed a site plan that sees on this property four two-story homes. The bottom floors of each of these homes will take care of 10 children each, um, and then the upstairs will be for staff housing. Um, the reason that we're doing it that way is because so many of our children are uh, have different kinds of disabilities, and so they all have to be handicap accessible. And so the bottom floors will be for that usage, and then extra um, um, staffing will, will happen in the upstairs areas so that there's always people on site in case of emergencies. So that's what we're trying to do. We are in the process of building the first one of those homes. We have the money raised. Um, uh, to complete the first home, uh, I just got pictures on Saturday of them pouring the floor on the second floor. <laughs> so we're really excited. I'm I'm returning to Ghana on the 27th of May, and I'm excited to see the progress. Um, so uh, we'll just build these houses as we can afford to do them. They're they're going to cost about $175,000 a piece. That might sound expensive to, you know, people expect that you can go to Africa and build a house, you know, with some mud and some thatch. And But when you're talking about caring for special needs children, they too have re rules and regulations that we have to follow. Having said that, $175,000 is going to build uh, a house that is a little over 2,000 square foot 
footprint. So mm-hmm. 2,000 square foot downstairs, 2,000 square foot upstairs. Uh, it'll be tiled floor, and it'll be, it'll, they'll be very nice homes. I wish I could show you a picture, but I can't do that. We're on <laughs> the radio. Painting, you're exactly. painting a nice picture. Tell me what types of services you offer these children. So, and and do they do they stay there forever? Do they um, literally um, their life ends? in this hospital or do they have opportunities for more up until now we have been able to successfully find homes for each of the children but recently the laws have changed uh largely because of the hague convention on the child and and their input into um ghana as well as the u.s state department um we're having a lot more regulations so the adoptions have all been put on hold for now so we are now having to think through things differently. We used to be thinking, let's find them permanent homes. We're now having to address, what if we are their permanent home? So we do have some children now that are in school. Um, and we provide that schooling, and we do provide schooling in private schools in Ghana rather than the public school system because the public school system is is wanting, uh, severely wanting. And then we have one little girl who is in... Uh, in, in a special needs school. So we're, we're providing that kind of care as well as the medical care. We have a great network of, of uh, medical people that are working alongside us. They're not part of our organization, but they, they work alongside us to provide for the, the medical care as well. And then um, we're raising the children in a, in a foster home setting rather than an institutional care setting. So it's a family a uh, set of house parents will take eight to ten children and care for them as their own. And that, we just really believe, is the best way for these kids to be taken care of at this point. How much does it cost per child to keep a child in your program? Um, what does that look like? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's about, uh, it costs about 350 to $400 per month per child. Uh, I know a lot of organizations say, hey, you can sponsor a child for $30 a month. What they don't tell you is they have 10 sponsors for that one child. And so we just try to be upfront about what it costs per child and understand that some people can't afford that. Some people might say, you know what, i got to get a group of people together and we're going to sponsor a child or a church will or a small group will. Um, but it's a, it's a little higher than normal, too, because our children are special needs kids and mm-hmm. they need a lot of medical care. Uh, we do care for a lot of HIV children, and we have a great doctor who's getting us um, drugs for these children that are the anti antiretroviral drugs, um, and she's giving to the, them to us at a substantial, substantially reduced rate. But still, uh, you know, it all costs, costs money. It, uh, it does. It all it costs does. money. My guest today is Brian McIntyre, and he is the founder with his wife, Debbie, of the West African Mercy Ministries. Christina Schnuckel is here, and she is my partner in crime at, at the Ellen Becker Investment Group, and we work together, and I, you know, it's it's a wonderful feeling knowing that who you're working with alongside you, uh, you have that same passion and that same feeling about giving back and about children and families. And, Christina, what, what you and your husband have done by actually bringing Kojo, Kojo here, 
um, is really and truly walking the talk of who you are, and I really appreciate that. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, let's talk a little bit. I'm, I'm really curious about, like, how do these kids get where they're going? Do you have vans and... Um, you know, do you have cooks? Um, do you need people to volunteer, physicians to volunteer? Or what are you looking for and how does this all unfold? And with that, we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group. And I'm Karen Ellen Becker, founder and senior wealth advisor. And Wendy, who is here in our in-studio at uh, in, in Pewaukee, said that she's going to cut out the in-crime piece because I said we're partners in crime. And she said, well, we don't have crime here, <laughs> especially when it comes to investments. But uh, I think uh, when, I, when I talk about that is just actually the fun and the laughter that we have and the way we've developed our business at Ellen Becker Investment Group and the gift that I feel as part of the success of what we do is being able to and having the desire to um, host a program like this of Milwaukee Philanthropic Community because it's such a part of what makes the world go round and all my life as I was working and supporting and raising my kids, the one thing that I would always say is when I can, I'm going to travel because I worked. I didn't have the money to, I didn't have the time to, and I never traveled. And now that I have traveled to many different places and I've seen things around the world that I really can't do a lot about, and you've taken such a, a beautiful step you and your wife to go over there and, and actually start an orphanage and basically a hospital. But I really sat back when I came back from from Africa and said, what can I do? And then it came to me one night that I could do a radio show and I could educate our community on the things that are being done and how much it takes to get things done, how many people it takes. And we tend to interview smaller organizations because they don't have the financial um, means to market themselves and to get out there. But just like every small company, every big company was a small company, every big charity once was a small charity. And if we can help in any way to educate and to grow charities and to do the good work and get it to hundreds of thousands of people through our radio waves, um, that's the gift that I hope to give back and the gift that we at Ellen Becker hopes to give back. So that's the crime, Wendy, that I'm talking about, <laughs> the, the fun, the, the fun of being able to um, – give back and the fun to be able to laugh because sometimes it's hard to laugh and I can see it as I'm interviewing you and your voice and Christina as she talks to Co- about Kojo that it's not all fun but no. it makes such a huge impact and I am curious about how kids get where they are and who cooks the food and I remember visiting uh, one of the orphanages and they had these huge vats with the stirring and I have a picture of them stirring um, and it was more like a like an oatmeal mm-hmm. type thing that the kids ate and uh, and yet everybody was happy yeah. and they they don't know a lot of difference and uh, so how does it work well <laughs> uh, yeah we we do have staff that um, help all right we started, as I mentioned before, we have a, a set of house parents, but they also have 
staff that come in for the day. And one of those staff members is a, is a nanny. One of those staff members is a house cleaner, uh, just a cleaning woman. And one is a cook. And they do. They make large amounts of food. <laughs> and as we continue to grow the ministry, I said we want to have four homes on this site. We'll have one cook cooking for all of them. It'll, it'll be more efficient. Um, and, yes, we do have to transport them. So uh, right now we're using a 1997 uh, Land Rover Defender. It's not the newest and prettiest vehicle, but um, I like it. It reminds me of those old safari movies, you know. <laughs> so, um, but, um, yes, we're, we are looking at replacing that because it breaks down quite frequently. And, yeah, there, there are those kinds of needs. Um, that exists, but we do have to transport kids to and from uh, the doctor and to and from appointments with the Department of Social Welfare or um, wherever they need to go. It falls to us to do, so I appreciate that. And I do appreciate, by the way, your um, your heart for trying to open this community up to opportunities to get involved, because I think you, you did say it's fun. It is. There's a part of of extending mercy that brings joy that I'm afraid we've abdicated to the government too much. I don't want to get real political here, mm -hmm. but I think it was intended for people to be involved in helping people. Not well, A gift isn't a gift until it's given away. Exactly. And all exactly. the gifts that we get, you know, our own health and our own financial ability and our grandchildren and health care. I mean, those are gifts that I think we take for granted and we don't really realize how many people water in Africa mm -hmm. and these young girls and young children that haul this water and they're all bent over. You know, it's like, why don't they bathe? Well, they barely have water to drink. Yeah, they have to haul all that. They have to haul it. Well, one of the things that we've emphasized in our ministry, our, our vision, uh, is, is four words. It's contagiously championing compassionate Christianity. And it's that first word that comes to mind right now. It's that con contagiously thing. We hope that our ministry helps other people catch the bug Sorry, she didn't like the word <laughs> <laughs> partners in crime. And now I'm saying we're going to try to infect people with a bug. But that bug is involvement and extending mercy to people in need. I think I love that even just what we hope to do is get people that are listening to the show to get that contagiousness yep. of catching on to how important. And every little step is such a step forward and mm -hmm. everyone can help in some way. I appreciate and That's why I was trying to say I appreciate what you're doing because you're helping us be contagious. Thank you. <laughs> Christina, the big question. So you are, you do their accounting. How much money do they need? <laughs> <laughs> what, what do they, what do they need to um, launch some of these projects and to make a, put a bigger footprint, a healthier footprint um, in Ghana? Well, we're a small organization, so we're always having to look at what do we want to do and do we have enough to accomplish that. And there's so many things that we want to do that are dreams for this ministry that we just haven't been able to do yet. So we're always looking for new supporters, um, new donors. Most of the money comes from individual donors, families who send money in on a monthly basis or give through our website um, to go specifically towards um, baby bed sponsorship or for our land project. You can, you can really choose what you want your funds to go to. But I would say that there's, there's a huge need 
Um, there's always things that we can do with it. You know, this last couple of years, we've really been focusing on trying to get the children's home fully funded and get the care for the care for the children funded into funded into a space where we have extra leftover that we can look at what some of these bigger picture things are, like building out the property, um, hiring more help for our our house parents who do a phenomenal job of caring for these children. But as a parent with only one special need child, I can tell you, it's exhausting. These children need so much love, so much attention. Um, and I don't think Bullingham and Priscilla have had a vacation in a very, very long time. Ever. <laughs> and the website? Ever. The website is westafricanmercy.org. You can give right through the website. Um, we've got PayPal set up. You can choose to do monthly. You're also welcome to email us. You can email Brian is Brian at um, whamgana.com. And if someone has a question would like to talk to you, are you open to that? Of course. And of course. I'm the treasurer.wham at gmail.com is the email address for dealing with wham. Most people know where to find me. (laughs) You can always stop at the Ellen Becker Investment Group. And Christina is here every day except Tuesday and Wednesday and Tuesday in um, Whitefish Bay at our Whitefish Bay office. And I know Christina would be happy to talk about um, her experiences because one of the things that's been so beautiful is we really do – um, try to foster relationships with our clients and Christina has shared her life with Kojo with our clients and it just connects us more and it and it brings um, more trust and and to know that we've experienced some of these things too that just average people are also experiencing within within their homes and their children and so I really do appreciate both of you coming in and I guess from um, a last thing Brian what do you hope that this show will we've got 30 seconds <laughs> to say what you hope that people will hear from this interview and this show well, I just want to invite anyone out there who wants to get themselves involved in extending mercy to, in our case, children in need and oftentimes with special needs. Give us a call. Uh, again, Brian or my wife's name is Debbie at whamgana.com. Treasurer at whamgana.com is Christina's information. Um, we'd love to talk with you more and uh, share with you opportunities that are available. Thank you so much. Thank thank you both of you for what you're doing and for sharing this. And remember, again, um, we are always on from 10 to 11 on Sundays. And you can go to ellenbecker.com, go to radio shows, and then Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, and you can hear this interview. And I just want to thank both of you again. And I hope that everybody has a really great weekend. Bye.